Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. In the life of self-inquiry, we're supposed to look at ourselves and try and figure out who it is that we really are. We have all these assumptions about who we are, most of which we picked up from other people's assumptions of who they are, which we apply to ourselves. But in truth, we need to look at ourselves. And we have to get a larger perspective on existence and on the world. And if you expand your perspective, if you look at what's happened to you over the past years and how things occurred, you'll probably notice that you had something to do with the way things turned out for you. There is a direct relationship between your thought process and your actions and the consequences of those thoughts and actions. That relationship between your thought process and your intention and the way things turn out for you is called karma. Karma is the result of that which is being pent up inside of you and your inclinations. There's a circular nature to this existence. But first, we need to understand that the big prizes in this world, peace and contentment, don't necessarily have anything to do with wealth or fame or any of the things that people think will bring them peace and contentment. Somehow, people think power will bring them peace and contentment. Fame will bring them peace and contentment. Money will bring them peace and contentment. One has nothing to do with the other. A very wealthy man might be in absolute desperate straits all the time, while somebody who's just getting by could be a joyous, happy uh, person. There's the story of the man who worked as a woodcutter, and every day he made a couple of rupees, and at the end of the day, he would go home and there was somebody selling fruit near where his little shack was. And he would take his two rupees, buy as much fruit as he could buy with them, and split it with his friends. And they'd all sit around eating and 
telling jokes and being happy. Meanwhile, there was a miser on a hill who would watch this, and he couldn't spend two rupees, even though he had hundreds of thousands of them, maybe millions, but he couldn't dare to part with one. And the story goes on that he met somebody, the man sitting on the hill watching, uh, who was a wise man. And he said, why can't I be like him? And he said, I'll show you why. And he said, give me 99 rupees and put them in a bag. And the guy, the, the, the rich man did. And the man he was with took the bag and threw it into uh, the man's shack, who was the woodcutter while he was away. And when the woodcutter came home, he saw this bag. And he opened it up and he saw rupees. And he started to count them. And 98, 99, and that was it. He said, God, you gave me 99 rupees. Why didn't you give me 100? And so the next day, when he got paid, the money went into the bag. And he looked at the rich man and he said, your money's just going into the bag. You haven't learned how to be like he was. And he's now learning how to be like you are. Well, again, wealth doesn't necessarily make you peaceful or content. Wealth doesn't necessarily take you to a place where you are satisfied. What does take you to a place where you are satisfied? What takes you out of the circle of desire and fulfillment of desire? Which is the karmic path. You want, you do what you can to try and fulfill that desire. And then it starts over. Because these desires for worldly possessions, worldly gain, worldly importance can never be fully satisfied. It's impossible. They come from a place of need. They don't come from a place of contentment. But there's another kind of desire. There's the kind of desire that is an ascension, that takes you higher as opposed to keeping you in this level of the world. It's an ascension towards Allah, an ascension towards God. That kind of desire is different than the base desires that keep you grounded in the world. That kind of a desire is a a desire to move forward and upward out of this world. That really isn't desire. And that's a desire that isn't tied to karma. That desire frees you from karma. The desire to know God the desire to know the qualities of God, the desire to become integrated into the qualities of desire is what releases you from the karmic circle of life. So, in order to escape karma, in order to escape the wheel that keeps turning and turning and turning, you have to go in a different direction. 
Instead of staying in the direction of the world, you have to go into the direction of Allah. And you have to become integrated into God's qualities. And how do you do it? Well, there's a few ways to do it. One way is through self-inquiry, where you begin to realize what it is that's tied to the world, what it is that keeps you tied to the world, what it is that keeps you chasing the world, and figuring out how to get rid of it. Another way is to do service towards others, wherein you give up the self, wherein the self is no longer important, but other people become important to you. The height of your empathy grows and grows and grows, and you feel the pain of others, and you work on behalf of the pain of others. And a third way to do this is through surrender to Allah, through surrender to Rahman, to surrender to Rahim, to surrender to love and kindness and generosity and justice. And to do this, you have to give up the things that keep you tied to the karmic wheel, which are anger and jealousy and greed and all of the desire for the things of the world. So, as we look at our life, we can see that there have been results based on our intentions. And we need to understand that all of the intentions that are impure, that are not godly in their nature, will lead to impure results for us, even though we think that they're going to take us somewhere special. Because what they involve is this desire for gratification. For instance, overeating will lead to a consequence. During the time of eating, it seems to be pleasurable. Three hours later, you have tremendous indigestion, and you need Pepto-Bismol or Alka-Seltzer or something to relieve what at the time you thought was wonderful. Well, people who want power see the power coming towards them, and in the beginning, they're all refreshed by the power. They feel wonderful by the power. It gives them some kind of impetus. And pretty soon, the complications of the power begin to take hold. Because of the power, there's so many more things they now have to take care of. There's so many things they now have to do. There's so many things they're now afraid of that they never even thought about before. Because to hold on to power, that means you have to keep pushing everybody away who wants that same power. So you're constantly embroiled in turmoil. In turmoil that if you didn't seek that power, you wouldn't be involved in. Wealth brings on responsibility of taking care of the wealth. And if you have a greed, then the fear that comes to you of losing your wealth when you have wealth overwhelms your existence to the point 
where you have no peace, you have no happiness, you have no contentment, because now fear has replaced all that you thought you would get from wealth, the fear of losing the money. It's a result that you can see if you look. And what we have to do in order to become purified and to ascend is we have to check the true motives of why we do things. Many people say they do things for certain reasons, but in truth, they're doing them for other reasons. And what happens is, as you continue to lie to others about your rationale, you're also lying to yourself. And pretty soon, you forget the true motives, and you only remember the motive that is your rationale. And then you're lost. Because to backtrack, to try and find out the truth about why you do things, could take you years. So, it's very incumbent upon people on the path not to hide what they think from themselves. It's incumbent that you don't have to hide what you think from other people. It's very important that you monitor your thoughts. And if your thoughts become less than aspirational, in other words, aspiring to become higher, if your thoughts are in a low level, you have to begin to change the way you think. And you can do this just by talking to yourself. I'm having these thoughts right now. Why am I having these thoughts? Because it has been given to me by what I've learned in the world. Well, what I've learned in the world isn't correct, and I have to be able to drop what I've learned in the world. I have to be able to drop what has been imprinted on me in the world and take on a new set of regulations for myself and a new set of needs. Instead of desires, I should have aspirations towards God. Instead of desires, I should have aspirations towards mercy and contentment and justice. Instead of trying to protect myself, I should be trying to protect others and allowing God to protect me. Instead of imposing my will, I should be trying to allow Allah's will to come out through me. In surrender is our liberation. In surrender is our victory. In our ability to aid others is our liberation. In our ability to let go of the qualities that make the world go around on its karmic wheel, in our ability to let go of those qualities, we will find our own liberation. So, it's very, very difficult to rise 
to the level that has no attachments. It's very, very difficult to do what the prophets say. It's difficult to pray for your enemies. It's difficult to care for your enemies and to try to help them. It's difficult to pray for those who believe abuse you. It's difficult to try and help those you think want to harm you. But what you need to be able to do is say to God, they have an illness, God, and this illness needs to be cured. And if I react to their illness, I will become entrenched in that illness. And I don't need that illness. No one needs that illness. So God, please forgive me. And Allah, please forgive them. And take them to the point where they can see the error in their ways. Take them to where they can lose this illness that they have that has animosity towards me, that has animosity towards so many people, that they try to hurt other people. This need to hurt people in a way to salvage your own self is a big mistake. It's a big inappropriate response to conditions in the world. Our response to conditions in the world should always be the same. Astaghfirullahaladzim. God, forgive me. God, help me. God, take me on the straight path. God, relieve me of the burden of these feelings and these thoughts. God, make me pure. Make me whole. Make me like unto you who has no attachment, and who is constantly giving. God is constantly creating this world. Each moment, His love for existence keeps existence in being. And He is constantly giving out His love through His creation. Imagine if for a second he stopped giving, all breath would cease. All existence would disappear. But he continues to give because he is tireless. He continues to give because he is without an end. He is without beginning and without an end. So this is not a burden for him. But for us, because we are limited in our capacities, because we are limited in our strength, things become burdens for us. And when they become burdens for us, we react to the burden. So when we react to the burden, that reaction is usually less than honorable. It's like, get this off my back. Well, we can't be that way. If we gave everything up to Allah, and if we gave 
the results of everything up to Allah, we wouldn't have the burden. And if we don't have the burden, we don't have to give up the burden. So, it should be understood that as far as material things go, you may not be able to control how that occurs. But, as far as peace and contentment, you can put yourself on the path to peace and contentment by getting rid of all of the qualities inside of you that are not peaceful and that are not content. By getting rid of all of the intentions inside of you that wish others harm, that wish others less than peace, that wish to harm others. So, in a way, we create what goes on in our life by the state of our inner thoughts and our inner directions and our inner consciousness. When our consciousness is calm, when our consciousness is not grasping, and when our consciousness is not trying to destroy, then no one will be grasping at us. Nothing will be trying to destroy us. Everything that we wish for others, the universe, in its reciprocity, wishes for us. It's a very important point to understand. So, if we wish joy and peace and contentment and prosperity for everybody in the world, and when we say everybody, there are no exceptions, when we feel that way, and we truly feel that way, then that's how the universe feels towards us. We create what the universe feels towards us by how we feel towards the creations in the universe. The Sheikh often said, that which separates me from my fellow man separates me from God. So if there are no separations between me and my fellow man, then the separations between myself and Allah become smaller and smaller and smaller. And as those separations become smaller, our integration into the qualities that are Allah become greater and greater and greater. And all the things that belong to Satan belong to the inherent evil side of things begin to disappear from us. And as they begin to disappear from us, there's nothing on the outside of us that can attach to them and make them grow because they aren't there. The foothold for those things isn't there. You know, we have to be able to keep an equilibrium in our existence. There has to be a balance in our existence. And in that balance, we have to be able to take care of ourselves in the world, but in a halal way, in a way that doesn't harm anybody else. 
We have to take what's our portion. Again, in a halal way, in a way that doesn't harm anybody else. We can't grasp for what doesn't belong to us. We can't reach out for what doesn't belong to us. We can't desire for what doesn't belong to us. And then you'll find that as your desire diminishes, things will come to you. Things will come to you out of grace. Things will come to you out of God's mercy because you are merciful. As you reap, so shall you sow. So if you sow mercy in this creation, mercy will be your reward. As you sow righteousness in this creation, righteousness will be your reward. As you give love, so you shall receive love. As you give compassion, so you shall receive compassion. As we put out, that is what comes back to us. So, we have to start putting out positive energy, positive vibrations, positive thoughts towards ourself and towards everybody else. Positivity produces positivity. As we are positive towards the world, the world will be positive towards us. And we have to remember that. And where does that positivity start? It starts inside of us. If we get caught up in somebody else's negativity, and we allow that negativity to grow in us, then we create a magnet for negativity in the world. But if we can let go of that negativity, we can create a magnet for positivity in the world. And then our lives will become positive. Our lives will become peaceful and content. Why? Because we put out peace and contentment. Because we wish peace and contentment towards others. Realize the essential truth in the reciprocal nature of your own inner feelings and your own inner thoughts and your own inner intentions and your own inner ideas. As they become more altruistic to the world, the world becomes more altruistic towards you. As your intention for everybody else becomes positive, the universe's intention for you becomes positive. This is an incredibly important understanding. And it all starts with you. You have to be positive if you expect to obtain positivity in the world. You have to be aspirational in your desire. Your desire must go up, not down. Your desire must be to improve 
and to grow in God's qualities. And it has to be sincere. We have to sincerely love our fellow beings, and that way the universe will love us. There's no room among lovers for haters. And it isn't that the lovers push the haters away. It's just that there's no room in the circle for them. They can't open the door to love. Only lovers can open the door to love. It's like a magic passkey. It's in your essence. It's in your vibration. As you touch the doorknob, if there's love there, it opens. If it's not, it doesn't. It's that simple. And it's that complex. So, we have to work on that love. We have to work on changing the aspects of ourselves that are other than love. And what is this love? It's a divine love. It's not a physical love. It's not a sensual love. It's not a love that does things for us. It's a love that loves for the sake of Allah. It's divine love. The love that is what created all of us. That love which sustains all of us. So, if we wish to be sustained in love, we must love. If we wish to be sustained in mercy, we must be merciful. We must be compassionate. We have to intend in ourselves on a regular basis the qualities that are Allah. And this takes meditation. This takes taking time off every day to give thought to these things, to try to impress these things on our self. So, if we haven't begun this practice, we should begin this practice. And how do we do this? Well, there's lots of ways to do it. There's formal prayers and becoming involved in the formal prayers. And then there's the discussion that you can have with God, where you can explain your situation, where you can explain how you feel, and where you can ask Him to show you how you should feel. You already have the inclination of how you should feel, of how you should be. So set it out. Say, Allah, allow me to be the way you want me to be. Take from me all the things that stop me from being the way I should be. Everything is in your hands. I surrender to you to mold me in the way you want me to be. I give up my own inclinations and I substitute them with your inclinations. Allow me to do this. Allow this to happen. May it happen for each of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi Lalameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.